my parents moved us into this adult, like 65 plus community and they didn't even know it. I guess my dad didn't know. And so, you know, we were surrounded by all these elderly uh, families and quickly I befriended all of them and they were my best friends. They taught me English, they taught me the arts and, you know, I would go to each one of their homes every day and do some activity with them. And my mom thought I was hanging out with kids from school. So, um, one day she, it was my birthday and she's like, invite all these friends that you talk about, Richard and Madeline, tell them to come over for your birthday. And I was like, mom, I don't know if you can make it up the stairs. Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast. I'm Robin Pino, formerly known as Baldwin, an essential oil educator, blogger, author, yoga teacher, MS thriver, and newly twin mama. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a show that will inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. We'll guide you to create more work-life harmony for yourself, discover tips and tricks to achieve your goals and dreams, all while taking the best care of yourself. Now, on with the show. This show is brought to you by doTERRA Essential Oils. As an essential oil educator, I partnered with doTERRA in 2016 to diversify my income with them. I was drawn to the oils a few years before when I was diagnosed with MS and gifted an introductory kit with lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil. At the time, as I was learning to live with MS, I knew I needed to get better quality and quantity of sleep. So I started using lavender in my Epsom salt baths every night to signal to my body that it was time to go to sleep and the rest is history. I educated myself on the potency, purity, testing, and sourcing practices and discovered the company's heart of gold. So I'd like to do the same for you. I send out samples to anyone who has not yet tried doTERRA oils and you don't yet have a shopping account with them. So find me on Instagram. My new Instagram handle is at Robin Pino and that's P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Send me a DM saying I'd love to try some oils and then let me know one health pain point you're trying to solve. Send me your shipping address from there and then I'll pop a care package in the mail for you. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Episode 196. All links and show notes can be found over at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we have Hani Sagari. Hani is an entrepreneur, biochemist, and anti-aging industry disruptor. Her AI-driven skincare brand, Chiral, is the culmination of a lifelong mission to improve lives and increase longevity. No stranger to entrepreneurship, Hani has the experience of driving 600% year-over-year growth with her healthcare startup and taking an e-commerce startup from zero to over 20 million in revenue over five years. Combining her business acumen, bioscience knowledge, and passion for empowerment, Chiral delivers far more than skincare. In addition to individualized science-based products, the brand offers an opportunity for entrepreneurship. Following in the footsteps of her mother, whose efforts lifted hundreds of wartime widows out of poverty, Hani sees Chiral as a pathway for women to change their skin, their incomes, and their lives for the better. I just wrapped up recording the podcast episode with her, and it was simply lovely. I'm so glad that her podcast booker reached out because after reading her bio, I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. And when I found out she was a mom on top of it and loves talking about mompreneurship, I knew I had to get her on the show for this for this conversation. 
I absolutely love her stories around why she is fascinated with anti-aging and around her mother and lifting um, wartime widows out of poverty. Um, Just really cool to get that perspective. So I know you're going to enjoy the episode and let's get right into the show. Welcome, Hani, to the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Robin. I am so excited to have you when your podcast booking agent sent me over your information. I was like, yep, yeah, she's an alpha female, going to get her on the show. So um, we just uh, introduced you to the definition of what an alpha female is, according to my listeners and myself. So what do you think of it? And how do you see yourself as one? Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. She's an assertive woman, knows what she wants. She goes after it. Um, yeah, I think, I think life is too short not to do all of that. <laughs> so yeah, that I, I love the definition. I love that you've actually outlined it and defined it. So it's a perfect, yeah. One. yeah. So you're, for, you're my first biochemist on the show. Um, what, what made you want to do that accreditation? Yeah, so it's interesting. Actually, um, I got into biochemistry because I wanted to understand the aging process. And my, my first and foremost passion is, has always been gerontology, um, the studying of the aging process. And I got into that when I first came to America at age six. And I guess my parents were immigrants from Iran. And um, my parents moved us into this adult, like 65 plus community, and they didn't even know it. I guess my dad didn't know. And so you know, we were surrounded by all these elderly uh, families and quickly I befriended all of them and they were my best friends. They taught me English, they taught me the arts and, you know, I would go to each one of their homes every day and do some activity with them. And my mom thought I was hanging out with kids from school. So um, one day, she, it was my birthday and she's like, invite all these friends that you talk about, Richard and Madeline, tell them to come over for your birthday. And I was like, mom, I don't know if we can make it up the stairs, but I'll see, I'll ask. He's like, whatever, dismiss the whole thing. And sure enough, an eight-year-old birthday party, these guys come <laughs> with their walkers. No. And my mom is shocked. But what ends up happening when you befriend a lot of elderly, um, they start passing away by the time, you know, I was in fifth, sixth grade, I started losing my friends. And it was so much grief for a long, young child to process. So... I wanted to devote myself to the studying of figuring out how to stop the aging process, how to keep my friends around for longer. I used to journal about it. Like, I'm going to find the fountain in youth. It doesn't exist, but I will find it. So I got into um, on my undergrad. I studied biology and psychology, you know, understand the mind-body connection. And then afterwards, I studied biochemistry because I really wanted to get into the cellular process of aging and what actually happens. Um, it's really funny because like, I always saw that aging process and like the end of life being this whole full circle. Right. And the biochemistry resembles that in so many ways too. It's like all these tiny little gears and parts and the sums come together to create the whole. And I was so fascinated by it. Um, and so, yeah, I studied that, but once I graduated, I figured, um, I really want to go into the applied aspect of healthcare, you know, that patient centric care, started a home healthcare company, um, grew it, you know, significantly, really, really quickly we took off. And, um, anyways, fast forward, I decided to leave that endeavor. We also started an e-commerce business and now I'm full fledged into, 
um, immersed into the whole aging studies back. I'm back into it. I would like to educate as many people on the aging process. And we're doing that through Chiral. We have a line of products, but um, the mission behind it at all is also educating people on longevity and the aging process. Mm. So it's like a um, the Trojan horse. You know, the products are on the outside, but at the core and at the heart is really educating and empowering people to understand what aging is. Yeah. Mm. So much here to unpack. So technically, <laughs> what know. is that? What was the show with Cameron Diaz where she went to live in the old folks' home? Was it in her shoes? Like, are you talking? Do you have you ever seen that movie? Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's no, old. I, I think I just looked it up. It's like early two thousand, and I, okay. I, I swear she went to live in Florida, and it was like a retirement community, and all of her friends were all of the retirement community. Like you're, <laughs> oh my god, you're, you're a real, time. you're a real life in her shoes, Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Except there's seven in it. <laughs> but you're much younger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Okay. Um, more things to unpack here. Um, so you're part of my topic series around working women turned mom turned working mom. So at what point in your your journey from starting a healthcare startup, the e-commerce startup, and now Cairo, uh, at what point did you come become a mom in this process? It's really interesting because my husband and I we tried to have children. For almost eight years, we like tried to con- conceive and, and it wasn't happening. And, you know, we went to a fertility specialist and all these things. And it was really because we were stressed. We had two businesses running and like really no time for each other. And, and so, um, when I decided to, I'm starting to feel really burnt out. Like, and I was doing the healthcare business because I thought it was my passion, but it ended up really like as soon as a business grows and, and I've learned this lesson now. But when, when things start to pick up, you kind of start, your role starts to change. You know, I went from mm-hmm. like that patient-centric care, visiting our patients and doing home visits and this and doing training for staff. And it just became like 500, 600 staff. And I went into a management position, which wasn't really what I wanted to do. And it felt mm-hmm. like, I mean, I hate to use this term, but it felt like a babysitting job. of, And I, I was not happy at all. Um, I was inexperienced, too inexperienced to know like, okay, well, hire someone to take your spot and you step away and do the things you, you are passionate about. But um, I had learned enough to know, okay, I'm going to step away and I'm going to start over. So this isn't exactly it. And I did. I, I stepped away, walked away from that while well, I sold the business. And then I, I stepped out of our e-commerce business and I just wanted to take some time off. And my husband also decided to, he was feeling the same thing. We were both like doing things we weren't really passionate about. We started excited about this and, and the journey just started to, to change and shift. And so we decided to take a couple months off, went to Vietnam, went to Asia and actually a relationship was starting to drift apart too. We were in separate continents, um, at, at most times because, you know, we had so many locations globally and, so we decided to take that time for ourselves. And during that visit <laughs> to Vietnam, that's when I, when I got pregnant. And <clears throat> when we started, I was pregnant when we were starting over our lives. It was, it was scary and terrifying. Like, how are you going to start a new business and be a mom? Like, and, and I also moved to California. So I didn't have any family support or anyone really there to help. But, 
Um, that's when the, to answer your question, that's when the transition happened. And I don't know, you just figure it out. It was terrifying mm-hmm. at first. I mean, like I was nursing my son and typing with one hand and doing it. And as soon as, you know, we got a flow of things, figure things out. I got pregnant again with my second one. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just been like this long journey of learning and staying agile and very flexible. Um, so yeah, that that's how I make it work. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think yeah. that's part of being an alpha alpha female. I mean, in your definition too, like yeah, figuring it being out. curious. Yeah, being excited about life, being curious, and really enjoying the journey. It's not about the destination for me; it's the journey. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so so talk to me about um, mompreneurship and what it's like making a mindful return to work after having a baby. <clears throat> So what's nice about being a momtrepreneur is that um, you get to work on your terms, but that's also, you know, I didn't take a maternity leave. I, like three days after I gave birth, I came back. I brought my son in with me into the office and I was nursing again and we had our staff and <laughs> they were they were very understanding of like a baby crying and so forth. But um it's been challenging. It's had its challenges. I'm not going to say it hasn't been challenging, but I've made it work somehow. And I think part of what I'm doing is to make my children proud and have them see that, yeah, you can be a mom. You can be a strong, powerful woman and you can be a wife. You can be all these things. You can make it work if you want. So I want them to be part of this journey with me, not just see the the fruit of my labor and see the results and I want them to see like the hard work that it, that goes into it. So mm-hmm. and, uh, we, we've been able to manage that so far and I'm really proud of it. I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like it was a cloud? Like, did you find each day you're like, I need to do so much work, like ex- work activities, so much life activities, so much mom activities. Like, was it just a big blur, but you were just trying to, um, fit what was necessary into each day so that it flowed in a way that felt right for you as well? That's, that's an interesting question because as you know, pregnancy changes hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, your, your body changes and like even the nine months of pregnancy, you're changing constantly and the people around you, it's easy for them to forget that you're changing. You're uh, mentally, physically uh, not the same person. You're a little bit more forgetful, but um, I just tried to do my best. And I was really, really vocal this time around because last time with my first pregnancy, I wasn't. And I, I went through the postpartum and I didn't know what was happening with me. It was my first time and I really suffered in a way. But this time I felt like I had the tools. I was better equipped um, throughout the duration of my pregnancy. And I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I, I suffered really bad postpartum last time with my first one. So I went on Wellbutrin and I spoke to my doctor and I stayed on my, um, you know, the antidepressants to help, you know, balance the, the, the hormones and the neurotransmitters. Um, and I was very vocal to explain to everyone, like, I'm going to change. I, you know, it's not me. Just understand. And people were so supportive and, uh, you know, like, they'd be like, I know it's, it's just the pregnancy, right? Like they would joke around, well, it's just the pregnancy, right? But I think it's so important to communicate what's happening on the inside and not being ashamed of it. Like we're mm-hmm. all women at the end of the day, at some point in our mother's experienced it or will experience um, this. So it's like, 
So I think that really, really helped talking about it. And I was really, um, first time around, I was very hard on myself. Like, oh my God, you're not the same person. You have to work hard. Blah, blah, blah. Like, but this time I was like, no, do what you can. Um, be loving and compassionate to yourself. If you can do it, do it. If you can. And I think that compassion for myself really helped. Like mm. put things into perspective and um, being really understanding and the people around me were supportive. So it was so much easier the second time mm. around. But yeah, yeah I, I, I hope that answered the question you asked. But, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it's, um, it's, it's very interesting because I've got a, a bunch of places I want to go with this. Um, you know, a CEO who brings her baby to work just sets a certain tone in the office. So I'm assuming that, um, is your office also like quite family friendly and mom supportive in terms of, um, whether like when they want to return to work, making sure that it's working, making sure that they have the support to, um, either nurse or pump or whatnot. Like these things aren't taboo subjects. I'm, I'm assuming in your, your, your office or, or your corporate culture. Um, yeah. So since we are starting over, I mean, we're still fairly new in developing your culture, right? We, um, I, I had the established company and I know what happens if you don't set the culture right and the pillars of, uh, and foundations correctly from the beginning. So we're still establishing that and, and I am super open to that sort of culture of like, you need to take the day off, even if it's for your dog, you know, if your dog is sick, mm-hmm. whatever, do it. And um, with our staff, it's the same thing. Like, if you need to bring your dog to work, no problem. Um, you know, if you have to bring your children to work, not a problem. I think uh, we're also, COVID has put us in a position that we've had to manage so many different things. And we're starting to understand that people can do the whole, like, be a mom, teach the kids, still get work done. Like, we're able to be flexible as people and still, you know, do many, many different things. Um, mm-hmm. So people are like being a little bit more open towards that sort of culture, but absolutely. That's, that's the precedent I'd like to set. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's great to hear. I think, yeah, I think the pandemic life and working remotely has also like provided a way more like open lens of um, people's family lives and understanding that. Like I've never, I've just started a new job and I've never talked about my kids and my life more than I have in this place. Like one of the the first questions in the interview process was, well, what do you do in your spare time? I'm like, well, I'm actually raising twin babies right now. <laughs> so my, my, my now boss is like, Oh, uh, and I was like, I had a career coach tell me that I shouldn't even tell you that I have twins uh, and let alone the fact that they're still babies. And he's like, well, no, that's great because our CEO is a twin dad. And so in my next interview with the CEO, we were talking about being twin parents. And like now I've come to realize that this is the the perfect home for me because of that ability to talk about family and not hide it and not make it um, seem like this is, you know, work Robin, this is mom Robin, this is family Robin. But like it, it is, I'm all one person um, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't balance it all at the same time, but I can be at different times to different people like my my work hours are these my mom hours are these um and that's why the 
the concept of work-life harmony has become so much more important as I transition into mom and now transitioning into working mom as a title um, because I can't do it all at the same time, but I can figure out what time blocks I can do each thing within the day mm-hmm. so that I can have a full life um, mm-hmm. and still, mm-hmm. still go after all of the ambitions. Um, I want yeah, to go back. So sorry. No, I, I decided to come back to work right away because I knew that it would be good for my mental health to be out mm-hmm. of the house and be around people again and be, um, but if, others need time they need their maternity time to bond with the child absolutely do it mm-hmm. whatever it takes i think you know this is the future we're, we're raising the future generation and we have to i think we we're now understanding about different attachment theories and how important these these first formative months are for the child the mom and, and the child to bond so mm-hmm. i'm completely understanding of anyone who needs to take that time alone with their child but I decided to come back because I don't want to be a bad example. Like, oh, she came back after three days. But I knew I needed that because the first time around, I didn't have that. I was isolated and it really affected me. And again, I, I, I had all these tools like ready. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't fall into that spiral like last yeah. year. But. I, um, I had the CEO of Nick Fair on my podcast um, way back, I think in like 2016 when I first started recording. And she just gave birth to twins as well. And she was very open about the fact that she was hiring a night nanny because she was going back to work quite early. I'm saying like early in quotation marks because some people would consider it early. But for her, she's a CEO. She's running a business. And so she got a night nanny because, you know, sleep is important. She has to be able to sleep and make sure that her twins are well taken care of. And I think it's, it's such an interesting time when all of these different um, ways of living are being showcased on social media. So you see something and you're like, oh, must be nice to have a night nanny. And it's like, well, if you have that thought and you have that sensation, like, are you jealous because you don't have one or you haven't taken the time to get that for yourself? Or, you know, or you're saying like, no, like I want to be the one that gets up at in the nighttime and feed my child. So like, there's all of this, these conversations around what life looks like. Um, but I, and I've had a podcast guest share that instead of seeing it as like mom guilt or judgment, we can just see what's possible and take what serves us and leave the rest behind. So if, if it's something that you think can really serve you well in your life, you take it and you're like, yes, okay, let me, let me figure out how I'm going to incorporate it. And it's the reason why Mm -hmm. I've had this podcast. You know, I always ask my guests how they take care of themselves and not everybody has a morning routine or not everybody has an evening routine and that might not serve you. So it's, just, it's the same premise on just a, a, a different scale. Um, and I, there's no question in here. I'm just yeah. rambling, but uh, yeah, it's, no, no, uh, no. it's, it's definitely, definitely interesting to see, like, as we share what works for us, um, it, it might work for someone else. And that's why we share. Um, it's to just allow people to see what's possible. Um, yeah. And I, I've had yeah. people exactly like, it's just listening to other people's stories and taking what works for you. So we had um, one couple tell us that her husband and her like um, just rotate, you know, do, do different shifts. Like, the husband will take it one night and she'll do another one. I mean, like you got to do, or one does like, I'll sleep till 3 a.m. and then you wake up at 3 a.m. There's so many variations of what you can do. 
Um, yeah. God bless the single moms. I don't know how they do it <laughs> with new, yeah. newborns because, oh my God, I've, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to have a spouse who's been supportive and really mm-hmm. like helped me along in, in the journey. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what works for you at the end of the mm-hmm. day, right? Yeah. Also, thank you for sharing too that you you struggled with your first child and that you knew what you needed when you had your second child. I, uh, you know, like I have a twinge of jealousy because I've had to learn and figure out everything in one go with two babies at the same time. Um, and yeah, I, like I struggled with now that I'm going back, like I really struggled with postpartum depression and I wasn't equipped for it. I wasn't um, ready for it. I always thought like, Oh, it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna struggle for it. And now as I see some of my friends, um, having their first baby, like, I'm like, Ooh, like maybe we'll have a third so that I can have a different experience. Um, and I'm like, I'm not ready for a third baby. Um, not nowhere close, but like, it's that, it's that thought like, Oh, now I've done it once. I could totally, like, I could totally do it a second time and have a much better experience. Like, my husband, if my Absolutely. husband would be like, no. <laughs> I, I, I watched those YouTube videos with um, twin toddlers, how like you're trying to change one and the other one's rolling <laughs> off the bed and you've got like, I can't imagine twins. <laughs> I just yeah. can't. One is hard enough, but <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it's having these conversations. Um, like I know it's, it's uh, in hindsight, you see what you needed, but having these conversations more so that, you know, someone listening um, who might be pregnant or thinking about starting a family um, is aware of all of the challenges that come with becoming a mom and they can, they can think about everything. It's not just about, you know, doing the, the baby registry and uh, the birth plan for, or the birth wishes for having the birth experience that you're looking for, but there's so much more in terms of postpartum and fourth trimester that I, I think are swept under the rug. So I'm hoping with these conversations, they become a little bit more at the forefront. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think some people, like I know this time around, the postpartum depression really hit when it was like a post weaning depression, you know, that you had the postpartum, the baby blues, the two, three weeks, but after I stopped breastfeeding, like mm. another surge took over. And yeah. I don't think we talk about that either. You know, there's yeah. your hormones are just up, down, and you have to really be compassionate and understanding. And I would advise women to share with as many people as possible, you know, the more vocal you can be. And, you know, there's mm. a little bit of shame around this whole um process and this idea but if you could share with others what you're going through I think you'll you'll see people reciprocate Mm -hmm. that compassion um yeah I'm seeing a lot more people sharing about like um the end of the breastfeeding journey and like this is my last time breastfeeding a child and I I definitely did as well because for me my breastfeeding journey was so emotional um I experienced Mm -hmm. quite a lot of trauma right after birth um, and my milk didn't come in enough for two babies. And there was so much guilt mm. around not being able to feed both children. Um, and my son just didn't like the boob. He liked the bottle, um, which was absolutely fine. But I had so much guilt that I was feeding my daughter and not feeding my son, uh, mm. breastfeeding my son. And then when 
um, like my milk was, it, even it wasn't enough for her and we had to start topping her up so that when we finally decided um, just to transition them both to bottles for my sanity, <laughs> because I, it was so hard to bottle feed and breastfeed a baby, both babies at the same time. So for my sanity, we ended up switching them both to bottles at, I think it was around five months uh, going on six. And I cried so hard the last mm-hmm. time I breastfed her. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready. Also, it's a pandemic and we had moved across the country and we were living on our own um, in, a, in a totally other province. So like there was so, there's so much going on. But yeah, no one told me how emotional yeah. it was going to be to stop breastfeeding. Um, uh-huh. You're right. Also, it's, yeah, if these are, oh, I, if we stop having kids, it's like my first experience and my last experience all at once. Um, so there, right. yeah, there's just so much emotion wrapped up in that. And I hadn't even thought about the hormone factor either. <laughs> like, why, yeah. am I, yeah. why am I crying when I'm trying to, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, there's um, a whole thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think people talk enough about the post weaning depression that comes in because now yeah. your hormones have to readjust again. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually, it- that usually hits me worse than, than postpartum or both times, oh. this time especially. It was, it was like, it felt like grief. Like someone just yeah. died and it wouldn't go away. It's all day it sticks with you and mm-hmm. you can't figure it out. You can't function. You're, you have brain fog. I mean, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. But again, My, the more um, you talk about it, yeah. the better it one is. Of, um, one of my, um, my friends out on Vancouver Island, which is where we lived for the past year, she did our maternity shoot and then newborn pictures. And she just had her third baby and she posted on her Instagram stories. It was a, uh, a video of her sitting cross-legged, topless, breastfeeding her baby. And I started bawling just like watching the video because it was so beautiful. She looked like a goddess. Like it was just, <laughs> I just started crying. My husband found me. He's like, what are you crying about? I was like, I really wish I had had a breastfeeding moment like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can, don't worry. Yeah. So, it's like, <laughs> so it's like looking at things like that and it's like, you don't know what's going to set you off. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah right. but, but it's totally like up and down journey that just like doesn't seem to end. Um, and I want to kind of like, this is a, a perfect segue. So back into your passion around, um, you know, anti-aging and longevity. Um, how do hormones fit into the entire picture? Are you, are you studying how hormones fit into the aging process as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a huge, there's a huge factor when it comes to hormones, especially like, um, menopause. I mean, your skin begins to thin a little bit, um, yeah, there's a huge, uh, there's a huge component, hormonal mm. component when it comes to the aging process. Um, mm. And yeah, <laughs> that that's another one I'm, I'm not looking forward, or looking forward to. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, because I think in terms of, you know, the skincare industry, and I absolutely love that you said that you're not only, um, just building a business around skincare and what goes on our skin, but there's so much more around uh, anti-aging and our skin health from um, an internal standpoint as well. Um, and it's, and it's doing, 
so many different things from how we nourish ourselves to how we hydrate ourselves to monitoring our hormones. And I think, I think women have also been um, taught that things just happen to us. Like our hormones are just happening and we don't monitor them. And um, my, my uh, listeners know that my husband and I went through fertility clinic to conceive. We did IUI um, because my hormones were out of whack and they, they weren't uh, acting properly. So we had to, we had to fake a cycle with hormonal um, drugs. And so, you know, now as I come out of the postpartum period, you know, knocking on my family doctor's door for a hormone panel because it wasn't okay before. So I need to know what it's at now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, making sure that that's part of my healthcare routine is, is optimizing my hormonal health so that it's not something that I just kind of ignore and then menopause hits and I'm worrying about it then, but that it's something, something that's an ongoing focus. Um, yeah, and it's surprising that our healthcare system doesn't promote this. Like, it should be part of a regular panel to see, not just, um, you know, what do they measure for your hemoglobin and, and your white blood cell count. And like, now we should also have a, a good perspective of what's happening on a hormonal level. You're right, mm-hmm. because it affects us in so many ways. Um, yeah. not, it's not just our neurotransmitters, it's our hormones too. Yeah. Play a big part. Yeah. My uh, podcast guests have not heard my dogs barking in a really long time because we usually have someone home to wrangle them. But I'm I'm uh, I'm home alone with the the nannies out walking the kids right now, and our dogs are going nuts because <laughs> there's people on the street. So my uh, my guests and my no, listeners no. have they haven't heard them they haven't heard them bark in a while. Um, we'll see if they, How we'll old see are they, your little ones? Just okay. out of curiosity. The dogs, the dogs are the twins. Yeah. <laughs> About both, okay. The dogs are eight and five, and the the twins are just turning eleven months uh, next week. So, their oh, their first birthday is coming up in a month. Oh, how exciting! Congratulations! Yeah. How Thank exciting! You. Yeah, yeah. And um, you're gonna yeah. like you're slowly getting out of that phase, entering the new one. Oh my God, the toddlers. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I, I'd like to keep in touch and, and hear your stories about their toddler. Yeah, it's like a new journey. <laughs> yeah, they're both uh, they're both walking already, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, and our little girl is just like motoring around. She she's she's walking and like a, even attempting like running, which is hilarious because her body moves faster than her feet, so she just like keeps flopping down. Um, but Aww. yeah, it's, it's such an interesting time. And this is one of the reasons why I do these topic series. They're usually like based on where I'm at personally in life so that I can get advice from every one of my guests. Um, but yeah, the, the whole transition to becoming a working mom is obviously brand new to me. So I'm really enjoying getting everybody's perspective. So as you return to work, um, and as you, you know, are, uh, are creating work-life harmony now as a, a, as a working mom and, uh, working CEO, what, um, what are you doing on a weekly basis to nourish yourself? And that could be nutrition wise or even, um, self-care. Yeah, I work out daily. I, I got myself a Peloton and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. some people hate it. Some people love it, but I, I really, really enjoy it. And now my new thing, and, I have to wake up at 4.30 just to get any amount of alone time. Um, 
So, and again, this is, this, this works for me. It's not for everyone. I sleep in a a separate room for my husband and my kids. Like I need that because I wake up so early. He can stay, um, he can sleep in a little bit. So I wake up at four 30, I do my Peloton bike. And then sometimes they stay on the bike for another half hour, 45 minutes. And I listen to an audio book. Um, I read, I journal, I, I try to get at least an hour, hour and a half to myself in the morning, because no matter what, at least I know I like, I had a good morning, <laughs> no matter how bad or how, uh, not bad, but how um, the day goes, at least I know my morning was great. So, you know, I do that. Um, at nighttime, I try to go for a nightly walk. I call it my manifestation walks. It's funny, but those those things kind of keep me, keep me in check. Like exercise yeah. has been phenomenal for me. Um, but that's, that's really it. You know, and That's if I awesome. get five minutes throughout the day, I'll, I'll try to do a quick meditation. Yeah. Just to do some breathing. Yeah. Yeah. You were, um, you were saying that like some parents will like alternate, uh, one night or another. And, um, in, when was it? In November? Um, actually, I've shared it with the podcast. So my husband, uh, we both worked for the same company and, uh, my husband was laid off from, uh, work in November of last year. And then I was laid off in January while I was on that leave. But during that time, it was actually a blessing in disguise because I had been doing nights on my own. Um, so we have a school bus that's been turned into an RV and my husband was going and sleeping on the RV every night, but he didn't wake up and hear the babes. <laughs> so I was doing nights on my own at home and then he was laid off. I was like, this is great. I get help. So we started transitioning <laughs> and so I would get one night on the bus and then he would get the next night oh, on the bus. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. See, these are the things that I mean, it works for you guys and yeah. you got to do what works for you. Yeah. Um, and I know, um, I know some people cringe like, oh, how are you guys separated? And it works for us, you know, yeah. and we still have some, some time to come together. Like you, you find different mm-hmm. ways of keeping yeah. the intimacy and, and whatever it is, the connection in your relationship. But I love yeah. that. I love and I was always confused why my parents slept in separate rooms and even my grandparents, they slept in separate beds in the same room, but just separate beds. Um, and I never, I never understood this. And now I'm like, Oh, I get it. Um, especially if you like, if your partner makes noise or, uh, or gets up at a different time, like sleep is like the be on end on sleeping beside a person does not mean you love them less or exactly. not sleeping beside exactly. them. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you, you don't realize it. Cause like when you're young, you're like, Oh, that's atrocious. Like, why are you not sleeping in the same bed? And then, and then you have a family and you're like, no, I get it now. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just this cultural thing that, that set into place that, you know, if two people, two couple aren't in the same, <laughs> they don't love each other. You're right. Now <laughs> yeah. You bring, you bring intimacy, closeness in your relationship. And especially my husband and I work together. So we're mm-hmm. together all day. <laughs> um, and again, it's not about like quantity of time. It's quality of time. But uh, yeah. that, those nights I need to myself, I wake up at 4.30. I don't want to wake him up. I don't want to wake up the kids. Like, so yeah, that's awesome. I'm able to <laughs> yeah, we're, um, We've just hired a full-time nanny. And my next step is um, either having... I, I keep posting this for my friends. I'm like, who wants to come over and watch Netflix at our house in the evening so that we can go out and have a date night? Cause we haven't had a date night yet. So that's like the next Aww. step in uh, taking care of us is bringing back date night. So 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. Have you had any takers? <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 I've a couple of friends who. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who are like, I just have to come and watch Netflix. I'm like, yeah, the babes are in bed by seven. Like, we'll do bedtime. You just li- literally have to come and just sit in the house because <laughs> so, they're sleep trained now. So they're sleeping 12 hours. So like, you literally have to do nothing but watch TV in our house. So, um, yeah, that's the that's, that's the next phase. Yeah. Um, her friend listening, take her up on that. Um, <laughs> and I love I love that you like just get up early and have that time for yourself um, because it's so important. And I had an early morning routine before babes and I'm bringing it back in now that I'm getting eight hours of sleep. So um, it's just so important to have that quiet time. If I don't meditate and work out first thing in the morning, I'm not a nice person. I have really come to understand that I am way more calmer and I react to situations much differently when I've gotten that morning routine in. If I skip my workouts, I, I'm just an angrier human being. And I I understand that it, this is something I need to do yeah. for myself. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're as an entrepreneur, mompreneur, or, you know, anyone who's in leadership roles. Like, um, there's just so many variations or variabilities throughout your day there's you need a little bit of consistency just to feel some sort of normalcy and my morning gives me that it gives me that like consistency this is this is at least we start the day that way and as as many directions my day goes at least I know my morning was good and it kept me up for the rest of the day so right now I I mentioned I'm in Delaware we live in California so we're here like my morning routine is off I feel off like it just, you know, I need a little bit of consistency, um, a little bit of routine, and it gives me that. It's fantastic. I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> so if you have stress building up in your day, do you have any kind of like non-negotiables that reduce stress, whether it's evening routine or breathing techniques throughout the day? Yeah. How do you reduce stress? Yeah, it's really breathing. And I've only recently learned about the importance of breathing and how, how much it can change your mood, your, your thought process. Um, I go for a a walk sometimes around, I mean, we're in downtown LA, like that's where our office is. And so it's, it's nice. I mean, it's not the nicest, but it's nice just to get out of the office. But just I think breathing five minutes that's all you need and sometimes I use my Apple watch it has the um, uh, meditation um, button and I put it on and just do five minutes and I come back a whole new person mm, um, I love that yeah um, what would you say you're most passionate about in life other than anti-aging and longevity what I'm most passionate about I think my family first and foremost absolutely. Um, I think educating and empowerment is is the next thing I could think about. I set up Chiral so that it's a network marketing company. Um, and I didn't know anything about network marketing. But what I loved about it was the opportunity to teach others about entrepreneurship, one. And two, I noticed that other, I studied many, many networks because I hadn't done it. I, I only had the option of studying what, what other companies were doing, which, which gave me a very uh, interesting perspective because I had a fresh pair of eyes as an outsider, not an insider. Um, and I noticed that most companies are doing the same exact thing. 
There's no franchise systematic methodology to any of them. Like when you walk into McDonald's, the fryer's always on the left hand side, you know, the ice cream machine's on the right hand side. Like they don't deviate from that. But I was like, why is why isn't there a system or a process in network marketing? The trainings all seem very similar. So I saw that as an opportunity of maybe we could build something that doesn't just focus on, you know, the top one percent. It focuses on, you know, the thirty percent. As long as you do this system, this this uh, this proven methodology, and I, I partnered up with some consultants um, to, to bring this about, and we're still working on it, but I, I saw a lot of opportunities in there, and I think I'm really, really passionate about that, of educating, mm. again, getting the word out of on longevity through our distributors and our partners. Um, that seems to be, and I really want to, like, as I climb, I want to lift people up with me and take them with me on this journey. Nobody taught me about entrepreneurship. I kind of like fell into it and I thrived in a way. And I'd like to pass that on to as many people as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe there aren't a lot of entrepreneurs out there, but there are a lot of entrepreneurial type of people. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's my next passion is educating empowerment. Um, so yeah, and, yeah. and motherhood, obviously, and my family. <laughs> Yeah, so we shared in your bio, it says, following in the footsteps of her mother, whose efforts lifted hundreds of wartime windows out of poverty, you see Cairo as a pathway for women to change their skin, their incomes, and their lives for the better. So what's the story there? Because you've talked about educating and empowerment, but I feel like there's a bit of a story there. There is. There is actually. Um, so I, as I mentioned, I'm from Iran, and Iran had a revolution in 1979, brought about from the college students, brought this revolution on. Um, and Iran was very, very westernized uh, prior to 1979. Um, but we had a we we transitioned into a religious democracy. Um, and during that time, my mother and her roommates, you know, anyone that wasn't for the new regime was imprisoned or executed. And so my mother went to the South to visit her. Her father had passed away. When she came back, she saw that her house was vandalized. She calls the police and says, hey, I think we've been robbed. The house has been vandalized. They come in, they arrest her, put her in jail. And she comes to find out that four or five of her roommates have already been executed. And they put my mom on the execution list. So she was there for about six months or so. And um, a classmate of hers who was with the new regime now sees her name on the list. And my mother was a social worker. Um, and he says, you know, I'm going to try to get you out of jail. I know you've worked with women before. You've been a social worker. If I can get you out, do you think you could run these women's shelters? Um, because we have all these women that are ending up in shelters and so forth. And my mom says, absolutely, I'll do it. And she started with about 60 or so women. Um, but the Iran-Iraq war started at that time. And we ended up having a lot of uh, widows of servicemen that ended up in the same shelters. And I guess these women were clashing. So my mom's like, her skill was sewing. That was her passion and, and her hobby. But she started teaching these women how to sew. And little by little, their skills picked up. And she went back and she requested um, a grant for sewing machines. And they said, okay, not a problem. We'll provide you 300 sewing machines if your woman can um, 
sew military uniforms and sheets and beddings and so forth because the war had started and it's not a problem, I'll do it, without having any knowledge of how to run an assembly line or how to, you know, run a company or a factory. That's what she essentially set up. Very resourceful woman. And, um, you know, she had the more skilled um women on this side doing like sleeves and more more technical type of work and and so forth um and she was able to impact 300 women's lives uh by teaching them the skill of sewing a lot of them were able to leave start their own um journeys some of them found better jobs some of them stayed with the factory and she was able to pay them eventually after some time so growing up my mother was a true hero in my eyes and I wanted to follow in her footsteps by by teaching women skills really. I mean you can you can change lives. Um and I think there's the expression of you can lead the horse to the water but you can't make him drink or whatever it is. But at least you gotta lead the horse to the water and teach him how to drink, right? Yeah. And I think uh, maybe it's not a <laughs> not a suitable expression, but at the end of the day I think it can go so far if you teach people skills and whatever they do with it, they do with it. And mm-hmm. that's really what I want to do. I want to follow in her footsteps, continue her legacy, but bigger and greater and, and do it for thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of women. Um, mm. So that's, yeah. That's awesome. Mother. That's so lovely. Yeah. yeah thank you for that. Um, what piece of advice would you give a 20 something alpha female that's just trying to figure out who she is in the world? Follow your path. First of all, figure out your why. We all talk about our why, but, um, only recently did I, I made a list of 20 reasons of, of why I want to do this business. And I thought I had my why figured out, but it actually took Number 10 is what really got me. And, um, I just, as soon as I wrote it down, the tears came flowing and I wouldn't have known if I didn't do a list of 20 reasons. So start there, start 20 reasons why it is you want to do what you want to do and, and figure out your why and your purpose in life. And once you figure that out, go after it. Don't let anybody stop you. You're going to hit a lot of, um, a lot of ups and downs, but if you're, if you keep reverting back to your why, you'll get through it. Um, and my second piece of advice is don't quit. Um, follow your own journey. We hear a lot of success stories of how so and so built their million dollar business or billion dollar company. Oh, you know, they were a Harvard graduate or like everybody's on their own journey. So don't think just because you don't have that, because I did that for the longest time. Oh, I don't have this. So I can't be as successful as so-and-so. And And it's like, no, you just have to work hard. And I think it was Estee Lauder, as I said, I didn't um, dream of success. I worked for it. Like work hard, um, seek mentors. I think that's another really amazing thing that I've had. I've been privileged to seek mentors and I've, I've had really amazing people come into my life and help me when I've needed help. Um, and yeah, like follow your passion, follow your dream and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You'll, you'll get there and just stay consistent. I mean, take what like Malcolm Gladwell or someone says 10,000 hours, right? If you think about it, that's about four or five years. And I find that a lot of young people quit after a year or two. Oh, this didn't work out. No, it takes four or five years to just get going. So stick mm-hmm. with it. See it as a 10-year plan. 
Um, and we somehow seem to reward this thought of like, fail fast, fail quick, fail fast. Um, but it's like, no, sometimes you have to stick with it before you see the results. So yeah. and I know that's a couple pieces of advice. <laughs> um, well, it's been absolutely a joy to have you on the show. Thank so you. we'll end um, with my favorite question. Um, what is your definition of happiness? Mm. Happiness to me, oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, is being, so I can tell you what suffering to me is, and suffering is wanting to give, but not being able to give, right? And for me, I wanted to create a life where I could give as much as I, I wanted to and having the ability to, to give, um, whether that's in teaching, whether that's a monetary form of giving. So to me, happiness is really just giving as much as I can and living a purposeful life that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the journey at the end of the day. Again, it's not the destination. So I'm on this journey of giving whatever I can. <laughs> I love it. Um, and if anyone wants to find out more information about your company, where's the best place to do that? Absolutely. You can visit us at Chiral, Q-Y-R-A-L.com, uh, or you could follow us on Instagram, Chiral Skincare, or you could, you know, follow me. Um, H Sigari is my Instagram handle, but, or you can email me, honey at chiral.com. Uh, I'm here for anyone who wants to start or any females out there who want to start a business, they need advice. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you on your journey. So please feel free by all means, reach out. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Lovely having this conversation. Thank you. Have you downloaded the Work-Life Harmony Worksheet yet? In this free guide, I walk you through how to optimize five key areas of your life so that you can start designing your own work-life harmony. So from nutrition to supplements, sleep, stress management, and reducing your toxic load, I share tips and tricks that get you thinking on how you can optimize your life currently. So I ask you simple questions that just get you to rethink different aspects of your life I walk you through a prioritization exercise so you can figure out which area of your life you actually want to maybe overhaul or tackle or just make small changes in first. So you can download that over at bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet, all one word, bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Be sure and visit robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N for access to show notes and other amazing blogs. If you loved this episode of the Alpha Female Podcast, be sure to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more amazing Alpha Females are able to find this content. It's so very much appreciated that you take this small effort to help this show succeed. 